Hi, I'm Ashley, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I don't have a Facebook, so y'all can't find me there. Um, I got off the social media. After. I got an Instagram now, but like, anyways. Um, yeah. Hi. I am. I got really nervous about two minutes ago, um, and I've told my story once here before. Uh, and I was super prepared, and right now I just want to let it flow and see what what happens. So I hope at least for an hour or 40 minutes I can just give y'all a chance to maybe not think about yourselves. Because <laughs> there's been a ton of times I've come to these meetings, and I've just prayed to like let the whole world going on outside of these rooms just fall away just for a minute. Um, and yeah... When I came to Bolden, um, I was 28, and I uh, sat in the back right there, and I had a six-year-old daughter. Um, I was lying to absolutely every single person in my life. I was not honest with anybody. Um, I absolutely hated myself. Um, I could not look at myself in the mirror. I could not go through a couple hours of sobriety, like I just couldn't. I, I woke up every day with huge wreckage of what I had done the night before and um, felt like shit, had an awful hangover. Um, I was at the point where like sunlight literally hurt my skin. Um, I couldn't go to work without drinking. Um, and uh, yeah, I... I and, and that was actually, when I came in here, I was in a good place. Like, that was actually a really good bottom. Like, I had a place to live, I had a car, and I had my kid. And there were many times over the past, the fellow, like, the past previous 10 years, that was not the case whatsoever. But, um, so the bottom for, for, for me wasn't a physical bottom. Um, it was an emotional bottom. I mean, it was the point in which... I could not stand to look at myself in the mirror, and I just couldn't stand it anymore. Um, my lies didn't work anymore with myself. Like, I had been bullshitting everybody about my drinking forever. And, you know, oh, you caught me at a bad day, or I went to jail because that cop was a dick, you know? Like, that kind of stuff. Um, it's my dad's fault. He was abusive. I'm a wreck, you know? Or, like, it was my baby daddy's fault because he was a heroin addict and he was abusive. Like, I used that as a scapegoat for a long time. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I knew. I mean, I knew within myself. Um, so yeah, so I came in here um, actually for a guy. I met some guy on OkCupid okay or something like that, and he was in an NA, and I said I didn't drink, and I'd show up every night drunk. <laughs> and um, shitty though, a couple months before that, I had been escorted home by firefighters from HEB on Christmas Eve with my kid because I was stumbling down in the grocery store. Lied my way out of that one. A few months before that, Cops busted up a fight with me and my mom. We were knocked down, drag out, rolling on the floor. Uh, got myself out of that one. Like, that was probably, I had CPS at the door giving me breathalyzer, you know, breathalyzer, seeing if I had any, anything in my system. And, I mean, I, I, I skated through multiple cases like that. Um, and when I came in, it was for something as stupid as a guy, right? Like, I just wanted a guy. Um, and then... I sat back, I think I even talked a little bit too much. I'm a talker, I like to share in meetings. Um, 
but somebody came up to me and gave me a big book and I actually opened it when I came home when I went home that night and I started at the beginning and um, I I wasn't alone anymore and like I came into these rooms and people shared and I shared about some of the most awful stuff the stuff that like kept me up kept me up at night and nobody gave a f like nobody cared um and I started to get that it wasn't that I was an awful person it wasn't because I was crazy it wasn't because I was um ill-equipped at life it wasn't because I was an awful mother and I lost there was something in me I, I believe for a long time when I couldn't stop drinking and I couldn't stop doing drugs for my kid that there was something wrong with me as a woman because that's like our role right have a kid at least that's what society says and when I couldn't stop for her um I mean that was low the party it wasn't a party anymore it was just surviving so when I came in here and I heard you all share I was like oh it's because I can't control this thing and because I need real help um, so yeah, and then today, I, my sobriety date's January 17th, uh, 20, 2017, I got a little bit over two years, um, I'm an alcoholic, but it's not my entire identity anymore, like, it's not, I don't think about alcohol all day, every day, and when I do, I call somebody, or I come to a meeting and share about it, um, I can I can travel today. I mean, I was staying in a hostel like a few days ago, and I woke up and got my I got looked for I was gonna steal somebody's creamer, um, <laughs> and there was beer in the fridge, and I hadn't got up that night and drank it, you know. And like it's 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 amazing. Like I am an alcoholic, and it is a huge part of my existence. Like I have to do something every day for my sobriety. But um, I have, like, a life today that's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than figuring out how I was going to get drugs or how I was going to get drunk or how I was going to stay drunk. Um, and that's a result of this program, um, fortunately and unfortunately. I mean, there's some major times in which, like, I really wish I didn't have to come to these rooms and I didn't have to come to these meetings and listen to the same old stuff that was written in 1930 by a bunch of men, you know? Like, I really, really, really have an issue with that when I, and um, and I'm not alone in that either. And and what's cool is like, but what's cool is I don't have like I, that stuff passes. It comes and it goes. It passes and you know. And then when I get real irritated at one meeting, I go and find another one and like and then keep doing that. So um, the thing that I know from my experience is that I have I need this program. Like I do. Uh, so. Okay, let's see. I um, grew up in the Montrose in Houston. Um, my dad was an alcoholic and extremely abusive. Uh, I had a kind of your textbook sort of like, what do you, what's that? Lifetime original TV yeah. childhood. <laughs> like dad got drunk, beat mom. Mom left house with me and my siblings. Dad would fight for my brother. I would escape with her. We'd leave for a little while. Things would get better and then we'd go back. And that was, that was like that. We were extremely poor. Um, and that was something that really ate my lunch. Uh, I, I felt very different than because we didn't have money. I felt no guy was ever going to want me. Uh, it was a big thing. That's a big part of my story, too. But no man was ever going to want me um, because I, even at a young age. But anyways, I always felt different than. Um, kids weren't allowed to come over to my house to spend the night because of my dad's anger. Um, my, uh, you know, early memories of 
of being thrown against a wall, hiding in a closet, you kind of you get the feel of it. Um, it was it was pretty it was pretty rough. And my dad sobered up when I was young, but the the verbal and the physical abuse didn't stop. Um, and uh, he came to these rooms for a little bit, but didn't really stick with it. So, anyways, I. Um, <coughs> My mom eventually re left him and remarried when I was in middle school, um, and by that time, I had already started to play around with eating disorder stuff. Like, in order to escape from what was going on at home, um, I read a lot, um, and I had this obsession with being skinny, because if I was going to be skinny, then somebody was going to love me. Um, my dad was really very abusive towards me in particular, because I looked a lot like my mom, and I was really close to her. So um, at an early age, I got that I was crazy, I was fucked up, and like no one was ever going to love me. And so I found ways to escape from that um, by... Middle school, um, so yeah, my mom left my dad and then my, and remarried, and I started to feel like things were going to be okay again. She actually married her boss, so we had money too, which surprising didn't fix anything. I was still the same person. Um, and then she ended up going back to my dad, and then she ended up going to a mental hospital for a while, got diagnosed as being bipolar. And uh, at that point, I think I just kind of lost it. I was like, now I'm real not normal. Like, I don't know any other kids who's got moms in mental hospitals. Um, and so I, uh, <clears throat> um, started acting out a lot with boys, uh, found ways to escape from myself at an early age. And that became a, probably one of my first sort of obsession addictions. Um, so mom got back together with stepdad and then she decided to take me and my little brother uh, to Kentucky without telling my father and they had joint custody. So this was a whole shit show. Um, I, uh, by the time, so by the time I was in eighth grade, I was a full-blown bulimic, and um, I, uh, by the time I was in ninth grade, I had began to tear my esophagus. I had what was called a Mal the beginnings of a Mallory Weiss tear. Um, I started to drink occasionally. It was just kind of partying. Um, I was living in Kentucky in a smaller town and, and just met older guys. And so I'd go out and sneak out of my house, drink, smoke some weed, do whatever. Um, and uh, I was real depressed. I mean, there was like one good drinking experience. And there was one good drug experience, too. And that's kind of it. The rest of it was like you hear it in the rooms a lot. The rest of it was just trying to find that. Um, so I, uh, I got real, real depressed. And so about eighth, eighth to ninth grade was my beginnings in and out of institutions. Um, uh, they found blood in my puke. I had to go to a mental hospital and be on a liquid diet. And then I had to go to rehab for a while. I got out of rehab and I was like, well, I'm not going to throw up anymore, but I know drinking and bo like boys and booze work too. So I can't do the, the bulimia because that's going to kill me, so I'm going to do the booze and men thing, or boys at the time. And um, 
And so I did that for a little bit and that it resulted in like two more. So I think I had like three different stays in a mental hospital because I was out of my gourd. Um, mm-hmm. I've got some dual stuff too. So mm-hmm. drinking doesn't really work with, with what I got up here. Um, uh, <laughs> so I got that from my mom and I got the alcoholism from my dad. I got like the genetic lottery. But um, there's ways to have fun with it in sobriety. It's like I can put that into art, not that. <laughs> So, yeah, so she, that was, um, it was a weird upbringing. I, uh, my mom ended up losing custody of me and my brother because she kept not showing up to court. Um, cops were called in. She tried to flee with us, had us kept in a motel room for a little bit. It was pretty um, dramatic, and it was really traumatic for me as a kid. Um, they ended up taking me and my brother out of her custody, put us in CPS custody for a little bit, um, until they figured out which parent we were going to go to. They both were pretty awful on paper, honestly, but my dad had more money, so we went to him. Um, and I remember I, I, and, and I, and I struggle with this today, and I, as an alcoholic, um, I had no control of what was going over. Like, there was no control on what was going on in my life whatsoever. I couldn't choose which parent I wanted to be with. I mean, I was going back home to my abusive father, but my mom was, you know, it was just like the, the bottom was falling out. And um, the only thing I knew what to, like, the only semblance of control I felt was in my eating disorder and when I got drunk. Um, so I moved back to Texas, and um, due to aftercare rehab, I was p- placed into this youth sobriety program, actually, at about, I, was, I think I was 15 years old. And um, I just kind of went with it. I didn't know anybody. I was really depressed. I mean, I was super depressed. I had a million identity crisis, mm-hmm. crises. I mean, I would, like, grew up in the Montrose in, in, in Houston and then was, like, thrown into this, like, kicker culture where we listened to Eagles and Steve Miller. Like, I was just so, like, <laughs> confused. I didn't know who I was. Like, I don't, like, it, it was uh, not to mention... Um, just like absolutely terrified of my father and very, very codependently attached to my mom. So, um, yeah, I got sober and I, uh, I stayed in this youth sobriety program until I was about 18 years old. Um, I, uh, was an outpatient and then I went through a year of sober school and then I ended up going to art school, uh, magnet arts high school my last year. So, um, yeah, that kind of saved my ass for a while. Um, I actually think it's a probably, yeah, I think there's many things that are like universal interventions or whatever. So um, I, I had about three years sober. I was doing the AA thing. I was doing the youth sobriety thing. Start going to art school, meeting kids, meeting a bunch of punk rockers. And I was like, fuck this AA stuff. Over it. Over God. Over all this stuff. I didn't, and I still struggle with this today. I don't know the balance. I don't know how to have both. Like, there's a way to have a lot of life, but I'm all or nothing, right? Mm. So I stopped going to AA completely at about three years, and I got really involved in politics, Um, like moved into an anarchist info shop, started protesting, got arrested for, like, locking my, like, I got arrested at 18 for direct action that was pretty serious, and that stuff kept me, like, I didn't drink for two (laughs) years because of this stuff. I was so angry. And I channeled it all into the system, um, found really loud music that, like, when you listen to it and you go to the shows, you don't have to feel, think, like, there's nothing going on, right? And um, my eating disorder came back, started, started, um, got real into anorexia, lost about 40 pounds, um, didn't have a period for a year. 
but I didn't drink. Um, started stealing a lot too. I liked stealing, um, and I was good. Like that God stuff was like really ridiculous. So uh, I um, ended up moving to Philly when I was twelve. Let's see. I had five years. I had five years sober, three years in the program, and two years dry. I moved to Philly, and I, I wasn't quite twenty-one yet. And um, yeah, I, I was there for a couple of months, maybe even a month. And I remember one Halloween party. Somebody had a toddy with some whiskey in it, and I drank it. And I was like, all that sober stuff. I was too young. Like I was brainwashed, right? So within a month, I was stripping, and then two months, I was riding trains. Like, um, and that's kind of how my life went for near ten, nine years until I came back in these rooms. Um, it wasn't really pretty at all. Like, I, uh, somewhere, I mean, from the beginning, it was, and, and there was some fun stuff in that, right? Before my friends started dying and, like, before um, I started going to jail a lot, like, there were some fun moments in the very beginning. Um, and I found a culture of people who, some of them I'm still close to today, um, the ones that aren't dead, there's ones that are now having to get sober too, um, of just people who, like, we just lived, we were the underbelly of society. Like, we thought society was bullshit, and um, alcohol was, being an alcoholic was celebrated. Um, it was part of the artistic craft. It was part of the music. It was part of just, like, not giving an F. Um, I mean, the freight culture is not, it's not, like, it's not romantic. It's really ugly, and there's, um, but it's a way that, like, anytime things got real bad where I was at, I could get up and go somewhere else. And um, I just kind of rode, I rode that and lived like that um, up until uh, I, um, I'd ended up in L.A. County Jail, and uh, my dog, who I'd had for many years, I was really close to, she ran away, um, and I just got, I was done, I was done with that, um, so I was gonna, I was gonna, I think I was gonna go back home to Houston, get well, my, my parents were there, um, my mom had moved back by this point. I was going to get well, and then I was going to go to Alaska. I was going to learn how to be an outdoor guide because that was going to be different than doing the traveling I was doing. Um, I had met this uh, man of maybe a year or two prior uh, who would be the future father of my child. Um, we had a highly, highly, highly unhealthy relationship. Um, he was extremely abusive and um so that's a huge part of my story I mean there was a lot of it was it has it it has taken me up until about a year and a half ago to realize like that I don't ever have to experience anything like that again in a relationship um uh but so yeah, him and I had we traveled a bit together, and and it was a really isolated life because we drank. He did drugs. We got into we went to jail a ton for assaulting each other, um, and then when we would get out, the other person would be there, right? And then it would be like, oh my god, you still love me because you're here, you know. And the same thing for him. Um, we enabled each other. We traveled alone, so we were the only people that like. I mean, we were the only people we were around. Um, he uh, never said a thing about my drinking. No, that's not true. That is not true, actually. Um, 
uh, but he wasn't gonna make me stop. Like, and um, at that point too, like because of the abuse, because of showing up to shows with black eyes, or you know, countless things happening with him, my friends all started to back away. They were like, I can't, we can't do this anymore. You're not willing to leave him. And so, and then when people would try to get too involved in my business, like if I was in one town for long enough and people tried to get involved, then I would just leave with him because nothing was gonna keep me from him. So um, I, after LA County Jail, I came back to Houston and, um, and that was like some big, like I wasn't there for very long, but that was like big girl jail stuff. Like I was like chained to women and like on a bus and like, like it was like, I was real freaked out. Like I had been in and out drunk tank, that kind of stuff, um, for some time, but this was like, it scared the shit out of me. Um, but it had nothing to do with my drinking, right? Like there was that was not anywhere in any any of this story up until this point. Like I could not see a connection with any of that. Um, so I came back to Houston to get well, and I ended up pregnant with this man. Um, and I was like, well, damn, like this is how it's gonna we're, we're gonna save each other through this baby. He's a heroin addict. I'm an alcoholic, and let's have a kid. Like this <laughs> sounds like a really good idea. Um, and yeah, so uh, I'm very I'm a single mom. <laughs> just so you know, uh, <laughs> and he was not in her life at all. Um, so, yeah, that didn't last for very long. Um, he ended up, like, we tried, like, I, I stopped drinking through my pregnancy. It was pretty easy. I can dry up for, like, a good six months um, on my own, and then it gets, but that's about it. So, but, like, he tried for a little bit, and then he, you know, by the time I was giving, I gave birth to my child, he was strung out, like, nodding out while I was getting prepped for my C-section. And, um... There was some other stuff within that that was like pretty traumatic. So I, um, I, I had um, the the. I really believed that having her was gonna like fix me and fix him and fix our lives. Like I did. I was twenty two, I think, when I got pregnant, um, and. I didn't know that alcoholism was, I mean, I, I, I didn't even think about alcoholism. I didn't think that I, I just thought I liked to drink. Like it was, it, it, it saved me from my existence. Like mm -hmm. now I can look back and see, it's like the only reason I lived in that world was because of my drinking, but I, I couldn't see that then. I just thought I had really awful luck and I had an abusive father and therefore I chose abusive relationships. Like, you know, I could like try to, I tried to, that was the problem. Um, so about, so he was out of the picture. Um, I, um, I really tried to get it together for a while, like working full time, raising the baby, moved back in with my mom. She was helping out a lot. Um, and then I started going back to, so I was living out in the suburbs in Houston, which kept me kind of isolated from my old punk rocker friends. And then um, after a certain point, I think she was, my, my daughter Maddox was about three months. Um, I started going out to shows and, you know, at first it was just like once, you know, here. And then I had an, my, my stepfather's English and he had a, uh, we had a house guest who was like, Guinness helps stimulate breast milk. <laughs> so really, I mean, it started as like, cool, I'll have a Guinness. And then like the Guinness turned into two and then two turned into four and then four turned into like a six pack and 
but I wasn't drinking Schlitz or 40s anymore. So I thought I was I was drinking like nice IPAs and working in a wine bar. So it looked kind of different, you know, like and I was a mom. So but like I wasn't like drinking 40s under a bridge. So I'm definitely not a drunk. Um <laughs> And then that, but that consumed everything that like quickly within a couple, a few months, I was like, just wanted to rush to put my daughter to bed so I could start drinking. Um, I wanted to start getting out there and dating. Um, and I, in order to date, I'd have to drink beforehand. Right. So, uh, and then one of my um, best friends overdosed on, well, he shot up a, uh, he shot up and then it was like blood infection. He ended up dying. Um, and that happened. And then something else pretty traumatic happened. My, my, my closest friend was ended up getting in a relationship with my baby's baby daddy. And like those two knocks, like in, in the birthing experience, there was a lot of stuff. I'm sure I had some PTSD too stuff from like, stuff that had happened, um, I kind of, I, I lost it and I packed up my daughter in the middle of the night and drove us to Oregon. And I was like, this is going to save us. Um, and I, uh, stopped in San Francisco and got so drunk that when I was driving to Oregon in Sacramento, I sideswiped the side of the car with my infant daughter in the back and like banged up the whole entire side of the car. And I was like, shit, I got to pull over. And I pulled over, I threw up, fell asleep, woke up, and then we kept on writing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. So, uh, Oregon, same old story. So, moved to Oregon, decided to move to Cabin in the Woods, away from town. Uh... I'm gonna try to wrap this 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 part up because it gets. I mean, honestly, it's the same. Like Oregon to Houston, Houston to Colorado, Colorado back to Houston, Houston back to Oregon. Okay, just same shit over, 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 over again. Um, got one point during that. Somebody fought me for custody of my daughter, mm. and I came into a meeting, got a desire chip, showed up to court in a suit my grandma gave me, and I got I won custody of her. Lied my ass off. Um, had multiple CPS cases. Um, there was, uh, at a certain point, I, I started playing around with drugs. Um, I, I smoked crack because it, it, it was better for me than drinking. Just truly, this was my rationalization, is that if I was smoking crack, it, and that my, my boyfriend at the time um, told me I was much better when I smoked crack than I drank. So um, I did that. Um, I played around with, like, meth, too. I was like, oh, this is better. Like, truly, I love booze so much, so much. Um, and there was a, a, and towards the end, there was a year in which I was so out of my mind from like coming off of different drugs and the drinking, um, that I, um, I mean, I, I blacked out every time I drank, um, woke up wet spots, didn't know if it was pee, like, I didn't know what it was, um, couldn't keep the lights on, um, by this time, my daughter was with my mom because, like, I couldn't even figure out how to get on a bicycle and ride it to the bus stop to get across town to try to be with her. Like, she, w I wake up in a full panic attack because I knew that, like, I was fucking up, but I didn't know how, like, I truly just didn't know how to get out of it. I was like, um, you know, like calling parents being like, okay, at noon I'll be there to see her. And then I get, you know, I wake up at noon and I don't have any money. And like, I'm like sitting in my own urine and like just, um, 
had a couple mental warrant, warrant uh, mental health warrants called on me too uh, by my folks, and each of those I just talked my way on out of. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was real. Um, and like the thing is, is like I've just always been used to that kind of like chaos and survival that um, at it was just like waking up and trying to fight life, you know, like every day. That's what you do. That's what you do. And um, the worst things got, I mean, it was just like all I had was drinking and drugs. Like it was the only thing that would obliterate just for a second, like what the reality of my life was. Um, Cause it was t- too like painful to look at that. And um, I went up to Oregon for, after that, after the mental health warrant, and um, I, I decided I needed to go up to Oregon and get well again. And I thought that that, like, I'd go up to the mountains, I'd be away from the people I was partying with, and that would, I would be, I would get, I'd be okay. And, um, I mean, it got even worse up there. I, I think I ended up, uh, I mean, I had an ankle monitor on my leg for about a month for a DUI from years prior um the the worst of the worst is like I started I wouldn't I didn't know how to get home and start drinking I'd get so drunk I wouldn't be able to walk home and um I had been found on a bus like multiple times like, like someone found me on a bus stop and one night a guy found me on a bus stop and like he was like hey come home with me I got a six you know and I and I sold my body and that for for booze some papers and a little bit of cash and um, that was something, even as, like, I had been a dancer previously, that was something I, like, never said I was going to, like, I would never do that. That was my non-negotiable. Mm. And um, it just happened like that, right? And, like, that's the progression. Like, all of these things that I never thought I would do when I was 15 years old, right? Like, in a youth sobriety <clears throat> program, like, pretty, like, had some wild stuff happen, but, like, not like that, Um I never thought it could get to that. I, I had even, the, the part that's interesting is when I first came in at 15, I had even made up stuff on my fourth step because mm-hmm. I had like an eating disorder, but like, and I drank and like partied and stuff, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, the thing, and that's why I think like bottoms are so personal, mm-hmm. is that the reality for me is the minute I, I start drinking, I can't stop. Like, there's the, the minute I put alcohol into my body, I can't stop. There are periods, like I said, that stuff got bad enough that I was able to, like, abstain for about six months. And without the, um, without AA, which, which you all provide for me as a community and, like, a community of people who are um, trying to be as honest as we can about, about the reality of, of, you know, whether it be a disease. I mean, I... I the reality about what I, I don't know how I feel about the disease concept, but that's not for me to, um, but the reality of it is that I have to come here and remind myself of that. Cause like anytime I tried to clean up on my own about six months in, I'd pat myself on the back and start drinking again. And it just immediately got worse. Like there's just, yeah. So, um, I mean, it just, yeah, so my, my bottom when I came in, I think I kind of started with it. Like, it didn't look that bad. I was living in, you know, con- my sister's condo in South Congress, off of South Congress, and driving a car, I had a job, um, had my daughter, uh, and I, w- 
I really like when we ended up moving to Austin because of the fight I had with my mom. Um, I really like was like not going to drink again after that too. And I'm living in this condo, and my sister's roommate has some had some beer in the fridge, and I like lasted like a month or two with that beer in the fridge without touching it. And then one day I had one. And then it was, and then I went and like bought another, you know, I bought another six pack to like put the one in so she didn't notice. And then I had all this other and it just like went right back to it, right back to it up until like I'm, you know, stumbling down drunk on Christmas Eve. I mean, it's, uh, and, and I, uh, it's so, okay. So when I came in, I, I sat in a meeting, and at first I thought I was just going to get a desired chip because I, th- I, I had a feeling shit was about, like, I had a feeling like all my lives were about to start. <laughs> and, um, and so I was like, I'm going to get a desired chip, so, like, I got it, and I can show people. <laughs> and maybe I'll just do this long enough so I stop drinking and I get happy and then I'm going to leave. And... Um, but it was weird. So I went and I, got, I came to a couple of meetings. I got a sponsor because I had done the A, you know, I had done it before. And I knew it's like, you do the right thing. You get a sponsor and you like, like whatever. Um, so I got my sponsor and I met with her once. And um, I'll never forget. I had, my daughter and I had such bad lice at that time. I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of it because I was so drunk all the time. Like I just couldn't figure out how to do it. And I was riding a bicycle. I couldn't, I had lice cream in my hair still from the day before and I met with my sponsor and I had my bike I had bought this fixed gear bicycle online and I was drunk when I was putting it together I had it completely up like I had the wheel on the wrong side and I had rode my bike I worked at this restaurant in the east end of downtown I rode my bike from the east end of downtown to this to this coffee shop with on the feeder of 30 like on the side of 35 in the dark with no lights with my tire flipped inside out and lice cream in my hair and I meet with my sponsor and she like she's like asking me about my first step assignment and like I'm like no I don't have time for this like I'm a single mom my life is really stressful like and I truly believed it was because I was a single mom I was like nothing to do like drinking shitty yeah but like come on so I'm just happy to say I know how to watch my hair now <laughs> and I even ride a motorcycle now and I have Yay! not killed myself <laughs> so things have shifted um but yeah so I ended up going back and drinking a little bit after that and then um I uh yeah I ended up I had a really simple bottom my friend came to visit me from Baltimore he he stayed for a week I told myself I wasn't gonna drink because I really really cherished his friendship a lot I was hiding bottles of like two buck chuck like up like of wine in different places of the house he was so it was so weird like how I would drink a beer and then end up wasted and one night I'm dropping him off um to go back to Baltimore and he looks me in the eyes and he's like if anybody knew what was going on they would take your kid away from you and um I had known that before but something in me just like the fight the fight to want to continue to drink like truly just left like it left um and I knew that the one thing I had to do was give up the booze. Um, and so I texted that sponsor that I had gotten, and I told her that I was ready. And she said, great, we'll meet tomorrow. And I cried because somebody actually loved me and cared about me. I thought she was going to text me back and say, like, F you, you didn't, you, where have you been for a week? Like, two weeks, I don't know how long, it had been maybe a month. 
And so we got going on the steps right away. And I, um, so I spent a long time, I wanted to spend more time in the solution. I didn't quite do that, but I'll say, uh, I still have the same sponsor today. Um, we, for the first, up until about three months, about four, four or five months ago, we met, we meet once a week. Um, uh, and go through the steps. So my first step assignment was a list of 25 ways my life was powerless over alcohol, unmanageability, 25 unmanageability, and then 25 things I was grateful for. And I decided in that, I was like, she told me as willing, like my willingness, like I get out of this program what I put into it. So I could bullshit the program, right? I could like try to lie. I could just do a little bit of it. And I was prop. she was like, you might even stay sober off that. For a little while, you might, but you're not good. Like, like you probably won't be happy. And so I was like, I'm really miserable. I really hate myself. I've lied to everybody. I'm gonna get it all out. Like, cause this is practice, right? We, you guys don't care. Like, you don't. Like meetings. This is why I love going to meetings and sharing and getting it off. Because like, I don't care, honestly, Thomas. I love you. I don't care what you think about me, though. <laughs> I don't care if you leave and you're like, God, she's nuts. You know, I do care a little bit more. If my boyfriend thinks that about me or if my mom you know what I mean but I get to practice here so the steps that's how I did it like I just got it out I put the worst of the worst of the worst on there I put the stuff like some of the stuff I shared here there's other stuff stuff I promised I would never tell a soul and I put it there and then I got to practice even more so in the fourth step which um yeah so I'll say the God thing was not hard for me to stomach when I first came in. I was so miserable. I mean, like, I, I'd done, working in a strip club, I've done weirder things than God. And so the God thing was, like, truly not that hard for me. It just wasn't. I was like, whatever. If I got to, like, sure. Like, I'll think of some, like, ascended master, make it strange. And so um, we, you can do what you want with it. It's just like, and, and that's where I'm at today with it. So I've, and I've struggled with this more after I've gotten some sobriety I, I really have um and where I'm at with it right now in this moment is that I don't I don't know if I believe in a god and I might I might not but I still pray mm. I still pray I still meditate like that's what I do and I don't really have to question it more than that and when I get when shit hits the fan and I'm alone in my sister's place and there's vodka in there and I'm feeling really weird what do I do I pray and then I come to a meeting and I and I have a drink so I like and I can get deep, deep, like I can analyze it more and I can, like, I, I go, I've found different meetings where you can go and like, you can talk about atheism in AA, like you can, there's places for that. And I've gone and I really feel great when I go and I get to share. Mm -hmm. And, um, but like the steps are the way they are. They've been here since the thirties. Some of the language in the book is archaic. I, I, some of it's hard. The he stuff's really difficult for me to stomach being, have, having been in multiple abusive relationships with men, um, father figures. Mm -mm, I don't feel safe around that. So God are my father, not really my bag. So I call my higher power goddess and like that works for me. I feel really comfy with that. Um, I pray to that. I get to like, I said the third step prayer pretty much 
English every day for my first year because it was written in the book and it was simple. And I didn't know how to pray. I even prayed on my knees for like the first year because I felt like I was pretty wild and it would be good for me to kind of like be a little, just to kind of chill, you know, like just do something. It was kind of fun in a way because I was doing something totally different than anything I'd ever done. It's like, try it on, see what happens. Like, what else do we have to lose? You know? Um, and so I said the, the, the third step prayer every day for about a year. And, um, and there's more prayers in the book. There's the seventh and whatnot. And, um, and, and those worked for me consistently. I, I recently have changed things up a little bit, the wording and the format and whatnot. Um, but there's like, it's like, it's a great beginning. So we don't have to make all this stuff mm-hmm. up. Uh, especially, I mean, I couldn't figure out how to wash light shampoo out of my hair when I first came in here. So I think like trying to, you know, whatever. So anyways, what I did was I just did what my sponsor told me to do. And she told me to come to 90 meetings in 90 days, call her every night, come to a meeting. She put me in an awful commitment where I had to call a woman in the program every day for a week. Um, and I did it because I was so afraid of losing my daughter. And I think because enough sobriety had started to kind of like swoop in I'm like the deep like all the physical stuff started to clear and I was like looked back at my life and I was like I really gotta change something and um and so what I had in front of me was what my sponsor told me to do and so I did that and like and someone said it recently my first year was very much like I deviated I definitely got into a relationship too early and learned a lot from that and so I'm so grateful that I stayed sober through that. Um, but for the most part, I just like, it was kind of cave woman sobriety. Somebody said that in a meeting once, or it was like eat meetings, sponsor, <laughs> kid, learning how to get my kid to school on time. That took me six months, you know, like how to wake up to an alarm clock. Like that took me a while. Um, I, uh, when my sponsor told me to get a service commitment, I got a service commitment. And when she told me to raise my hand to sponsor, I raised, rose my hand to sponsor. She told me don't say no if somebody in AA asks you something within reason, okay? Because, like, that's, yeah, like, there's a bit of discretion in that. Um, and, and I, I just did that, kept my nose down and did that. So another part of my story that I want to share about, at about a year... I started having panic attacks, um, and I was going to meetings, meditating, like, I'm doing the deal, like, really committed. I started having some pretty brutal panic attacks that, like, f- freaked me out a bit, and so I had to go seek some outside help, and um, ended up, because of that, was able to discover what baseline normality was, um, and... I'm so grateful that I have a sponsor who's like the only desire the, the only desire for membership is a desire I'm sorry the only I, requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking yeah and um, like outside issues like we're here we're, we're drunks we're trying to get sober and so um, with some help of a doctor like I was able to start to like get out of bed and um, it became way less hard and I got to reap some of the benefits of the program. And, um, so yeah. And I, um, I very much, so I'll say this, like emphatically worked the program up until about six months ago. And emphatically, if, if that's a big, I kind of just, 
almost at a certain point, it became like I have to do this stuff every day to check it, check off a box so I don't get struck drunk. And that stopped working for me, actually. Um, I didn't drink, so it didn't completely. But I was, like, working this program after, with, with, like, about nearing two years. I mean, I wasn't feeling anything for it or the prayers or I started having a lot of relapse dreams, too. And I didn't want to drink, but I knew, like, I didn't know something needed to shift. And so what I started to do was simplify what I was doing. Instead of doing everything, I started doing one thing and really experiencing that. So um, instead of making sure every night I did a 10 step, because if I didn't, and this is me, this is some of my like OCD type stuff, but instead of every night doing a 10 step, I would do one once a week mm -hmm. and really like dig into it. Or like do like, I like, I found some other stuff too, like meditation's really important. Mm -hmm. I can't go to a meeting every day. Um, I am like, I work three jobs and have a child and it's just like, but I, I know that I've got to do something. So that might be seated meditation. That might be writing some, what I call like there's a book where there's morning pages where it's free writing. Like there's yoga is really important. Like there's stuff that I do for my mental health that keep me grounded and um, connected. Um, reaching out to other alcoholics has been a huge one. I've got like friends and it's another thing where like, they really might get off the phone and be like, that was kind of wacky. But I at least, like, I'll, I've said some wacky ass shit on the phone with them. But, like, it feels so much better to get it out than to keep it in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, uh, like, just, okay, I'll wrap it up quickly. I mean, I've got all that, like, chaos and trauma and drama and stuff. Like, I haven't had that in, like, two years. Mm. I live in the same house. I got my daughter. She's got like 90% attendance at her school. Um, she is on spring break with my grandparents right now. We're in good graces. Like, I gotta, like, I'm, an, I'm a reliable employee to my boss. Um, I, I'm like really actually at peace. Like, I'm okay with the quiet. And I'm okay with like, being alone like I really like being alone and being still and not surviving one traumatic incident you know like that I caught off on that for a long time and I will say this for anybody else who's had maybe a lifestyle like that it takes a lot of time to sort of readjust mm -hmm. to like simplicity and not having to get evicted and not having some psycho ex at your door. Like there was something I got off of that. And my childhood was like that. And my adult, like my young adulthood life was like that. So to go from that to like paying rent on time kind of was really boring. And I had to sit in like some boring, weird, like I think I'm, this is awful, but great at the same time. Like, I had to kind of sit in that for a while until it, like, sort of evolved into something else. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is I also like to really create havoc in my head. And so one thing I've had to do for myself, especially coming from, like, a pretty abusive childhood, is, like, reminding myself, like, everything's okay. It's all right. Like, shit's not going to hit the fan tomorrow. Because what's happened is, and it has hit the fan in sobriety for me. It's some weird cancer scares that were pretty awful. But what happened is when they happened, I just dealt with it. You know what I mean? I wasn't thinking about it. You know, it just, when shit hits the fan, like, you just go through it. Instead of, like, worrying about what's going to happen next week. Um, 
yeah. Uh, I think that's that, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah.